Apollo, thank you so much for uh, joining me, coming back. It's so good to talk to you again. Uh, it's a thrill to see you again. Yeah, thanks for having me, Devin. It's great to see you. Uh, it's been a well, wild <laughs> past 24 months, but uh, you yeah. know we've got the the hunger to continue to reinvent and push on. So I'm, I'm excited to, to see you virtually. Can't wait to do this in person. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is a thrill to reconnect, Apollo. So thank you very much. Uh, Apollo, you know, we're, we're doing this in the context now of uh, a, a rebranded, refocused uh, uh, podcast and book about superpowers for good. Uh, Apollo, what is your superpower? So I, I would say my superpower still relies on a, a foundational component of hard work. And while that's a broad term, I think that we can talk about resilience and um, and and passion and hunger and grit and all those things that I think that we typically associate with maybe the Olympics or athletes and things that you have to do that are really challenging and hard. But what I have found, Devin, is that throughout my career, both during the Olympic space and also when I decided to retire and reinvent, that the one foundational piece that I could always rely upon was hard work. And that was something that I don't think that I inherently had as a young child. I think that you know, my father had uh, kind of instilled some of these principles um, associated with that broad term hard work when I was a child. But it wasn't until I really started to feel and see the type of long-term consistent marginal increases in performance day over day that I would then have to compound over long durations of time where I would find that to be my superpower. And the reason why I say that is because I was not genetically gifted more than perhaps the top 10 or 15 or even 20 of the world's greatest speed skaters and winter athletes. And so I had to find other areas and mechanisms in which I could lean on. So there was many times where I looked at the competition and thought, they're better than me. They're faster than I am. They're stronger than I am. They're better genetically designed for this sport, inherently just naturally more talented. So how do I compete with that? And I had to find areas where I found that maybe they weren't willing to go through. And so, you know, the saying goes like, it may take me longer than the average bear. Um, but I think the strength in that is, while I can't always control the outcome, I am willing to throw myself um, headfirst into something. Maybe if it's not my greatest strength or my first natural inclination to be performing well at a particular task or sport or career, um, I think being able to face that fear and go through what they call the gauntlet it is a superpower. And I think we have seen this time and time again of those that we would optically view as being successful. And I think it comes down to that fundamental principle, right? You can plan, you can create these amazing kind of vision boards, but there's no replacement for the day-to-day -day grind and consistency. And while others may do things faster or more effectively than you, over the long term and duration, if you stay consistent in those principles, I believe that that's where your real edge is going to come from. So that's what I've found with me is... Um, I believe in like hyper immersion. I believe in super hard work. And while we cannot always control the outcomes, it's about how we perceive these challenges or so-called failures and then recalibrate them to figure out this is a challenge. This was a learning experience for me. I'm going to take this and, and grow from it. I'm going to take this and expand from this particular experience in my life. So, um, 
everyone contains this ability inside of them. That's the beautiful part is hard work is there uh, for anyone to really understand and realize. And with the access of information that we have today, um, there are no more boundaries. There are no limitations. It's up to you as the sole driver of your life ship to figure out which direction you'd like to steer this thing. Um, you can't figure out what's going to happen um, during that career path or during that particular venture or during that sport. Um, but how you react and respond is within your control. And staying consistent with your efforts is it's not only a gratifying thing, and, and you know we talked about this offline, but when we talk about like purpose and things that, that make you feel fulfilled in a way that goes beyond the monetary aspect of why you're pursuing something, that is really powerful. And I think that's what we see humans light up. So not only have we been able to survive through cataclysmic events in history, um, we've eventually thrived. So we contain this ability within us. Um, and hopefully we can inspire others to kind of keep this light switch turned on. Yeah. Well, I'm intrigued. Uh, you know, you, you had obviously, uh, everyone knows a phenomenal Olympic career, three Olympics, eight medals, uh, truly, truly historic. Um, I'm intrigued by your hard work your level of training and effort for your third Olympics. Uh, I've read just a little bit about this, uh, but I think you showed up trimmer, arguably more fit, arguably stronger for your third Olympics than for the first two. And I can only see hard work getting you to that stage. Hey, am I right? Is there, is there a correctness in the presumption from what I've read? And if so, Tell us about that hard work, what motivated it, and how it helped you in that third Olympic Games. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. So the third and final Olympic Games that I competed in was interesting because the sport itself had started to evolve beyond uh, my preconceived expectations of how one should prepare and perform on a day-to-day -day basis. So therefore, the body types of the athletes started to become much more sport-specific and efficient. So less looking like a track and field sprinter and more looking like an athlete perhaps that would be climbing on the Tour de France. So very skeletal in terms of up top um, body weight distribution and all of the power is really in the lower body and strength. And so those who naturally had these types of body types were succeeding. And so the average body weight per athlete also decreased significantly. And I walked around very powerful in the 2002 games and 2006 games. And I had to really reinvent myself. We had to change the way that we thought about recovery, nutrition, training itself. Um, and also uh, just the overall holistic view of like, how do I train my mind to go beyond what I thought was possible in terms of training? So there was a lot of times where I operated out of a fear of failure, which happened to be a great lever and a tool uh, because I didn't want to go to the games and feel like I left something on the table. Instead, I was very interested in saying, how do I go to an Olympic experience, go through an Olympic experience and have this zero regrets mentality um, and also be able to reinvent the way that I think about A, myself, B, the sport, and also see what is feasible and possible in a short amount of time of training. And that was the beautiful thing was, you know, by the time I arrived at those Olympic Games in my final Olympic Games, I felt like I had already won because I'd gone through so much challenging physical and mental um, 
uh, uh, you know, transition between what I was before to what I showed up as. And so you're right. You know, I was 20 pounds lighter than I was in my first Olympic games. I was leaner. I was stronger. I was more, more uh, mentally prepared, but I also carried with me this, this, this thought process that it wasn't like I was hyper-confident. You know, I, I, I'm competing in a sport where at the snap of the fingers, you know, three athletes just cross the finish line. And so you can prepare a lifetime for a particular event, i.e. a 40-second race, and it doesn't go your way, and you're off the podium, and you don't receive a medal. Now, is your entire decade-plus years of dedication, is that thrown out the window? I don't think so, right? Inherently designed in the process is uh, this appreciation to focus on the process over prize. And I showed myself that anything was possible. I showed myself that amidst the tr- the chatter of the crowd uh, who thought that maybe I was too predictable and um, that I was washed up or maybe that I was nearing the end of my career and I just simply no longer had the ability to make the podium, um, we went against the grain and it required a complete retooling of my mind. Uh, and I, I think that everyone contains this ability within them. It's just going through and executing upon that's really challenging because it's it's doing something that's that's unfamiliar. And as we know, we tend to always revert back to things that are comfortable and safe. And this goes back into the hardwiring of our neurobiology, right? Back in the day, we used to run and hide or forage based upon if we're hungry, if we need to be safe, we're always seeking security and a sense of comfort. That's how we are as human beings. So we're actually not designed to bleed a little bit every single day um, in hopes of the end of the four years or the end of the year. We actually have this, you know, um, this withdrawal, so to speak, from this like deposit of hard work and, and consistency, right? Like back in the day when we didn't have medicine, if you got cut in the jungle, and I heard someone talk about this the other day. Um, you would die like in two weeks, right? Because you weren't able to sustain. So the body was never designed for these things. But that's where the greatest attributes are, is if you're willing to bleed a little bit every single day, and I say this like metaphorically speaking, of course, but knowing at the end of this journey, there will be a time when you are going to kind of rip open the curtain and display all that hard work, it's a powerful thing. So I, I went through that process like mentally and physically. It, it was a big part of kind of who I am. And I take that with me today in terms of how I approach life, how I approach my career, how I approach the next challenge that I'm facing. No, oh, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And, 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 and that's the perfect segue to where I want to go next. We've talked about how you applied this in, in sports for the last decade, although I'm sure you continue to be very athletic and do athletic things, it's not at the same level. Uh, your career is moving in a different direction. You're on television a lot, doing a lot of interesting things, entrepreneurial things. You're doing stuff in crypto. You've also been very engaged in, in social enterprise. So just a lot going on in your world. Uh, you've written a couple of books. I mean, you're busy. You're doing a lot. How does hard work relate outside of sports i think they're synonymous right uh, it's just there's there's a physical component where you, your association with fatigue and burnout and consistency is there um now you're focusing much more on i think creativity uh relationship building making sure that if you're going into a new sector of business or entrepreneurship, which I have been no stranger to, right? I, I've always been one to kind of always find new, exciting, and novel 
new industries to participate in. And I find them exciting. It's, it's exhilarating to me. I love, to me, the most fun part about this is when you know nothing about a particular industry or career and you decide to pursue that wholeheartedly and you spend time. That immersion component is really, it's nerve wracking. It's hard on your brain. It's challenging because this is not something that you grew up doing. You don't have a lot of, um, a lot of history in this particular area. So hard work is a fundamental principle of that, right? Um, learning and wanting and, and being naturally curious. And so I've always found this interesting interplay between hard work and this natural curiosity, almost childlike in terms of play, right? Like it's almost like a game. It's fun. And I think that's a really important part about this, where if you can kind of combine both, where you know you've got this fundamental edge of saying, all right, this is going to be a challenging path. I'm willing to do the work and reminding yourself that this entire process is not designed actually for you to be go through smoothly or in an easy way. Instead, um, there's going to be very challenging times and it's going to be times where you may question this particular path. And that is a part of the process. And then if you can also combine this with this like natural curiosity to learn and grow and play, that is the sweet spot. And doing both those at the same time is something that I've had to find to, to reinvent myself, to transition. Because my previous identity was the Olympic Games. It's all that I knew. It's all that I believed in. It's all that I thought that I was here on earth for. And when I realized it was time for me to make that hard pivot, to make a big change, it was hard. And it was daunting and it was challenging and it was unfamiliar and it was scary because everything that I thought that was important before somehow seemed like it no longer was relevant today. And no longer putting skates on and going in circles had any capacity for growth in the world that I was now trying to approach or did it. And so I think our perception of all these things and these life lessons and insights are really where the the fruits are, I think, as we go through life and these experiences. We don't know the outcomes. We can't genuinely predict. We can give indications and insights into which direction and trajectory that we're going. But overall, the result may or may not be entirely within our control. So what it is that is within your control, and this is the stoic philosophy, is how do I maintain this consistency and this edge of no matter what happens, I'm here. I'm going to accept these things. I'm going to reinvent. I'm going to adapt. And I'm going to naturally and curiously grow from these experiences. And that's what I've found to be something that I feel very grateful to have time and time again as I continuously reinvent. But I, I, I'm being very transparent. It, it's not easy right? It's really not easy, especially when you've been doing something for a long period of time. And that's kind of ingrained in your memory bank of who you are. But you're not that particular title. You're not that thing. It's the thing that you're doing today. It's the career path that perhaps that you've chosen for the moment in time. The things that make you you are the attributes underneath that first layer. And I think that that's something that I'm passionate about helping others find is you are the title that maybe is on your business card or on your signature or, or it's who you present. But actually beneath that is a context and a layer and a texture that is so much more rich and deep than just the title. And that's where when you start to realize that you have this malleable brain and ability, that's where the real superpowers are. Yeah. We talked about the fact that you've got this broad portfolio of things that you're engaged in. And part of what you're doing, one thing that you do is you, you approach some things that have social impact. Like uh, last evening, getting ready for today, I enjoyed watching uh, the film you were in. Um, I think it was On Thin Ice. 
about diversity and inclusion in, yep. in athletics. Uh, you know, doing that film was really, an, I think, an important message. Uh, just just this year, I think we had the first NFL player come out as gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, you know, remarkable progress. You helped doing this film was one step in a long process of helping make the world more accepting, more inclusive. Um, that's an example of the good you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about the good you're doing and how hard work enters into making that effective. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that. So look, we live in a very unprecedented time, right? With what everyone has experienced with shutdowns and lockdowns and kind of global chaos, um, a lot of uncertainty. Um, some people have thrived and done exceptionally well. Others really have struggled. And I think it has formed these very polarizing views and opinions, whether it's political, whether it's financial, whether it's cultural, and it's been challenging. So, you know, when I think about this kind of broader, larger scale picture of inclusion and understanding and diversity, I think it comes first and foremost as my love for people and my love for people to succeed and survive and eventually thrive in their own environments. And, uh, you know, when I look back on what has happened, not only this past year, but also the types of things that I love participating in, doing well and doing good is my purpose. It is something that inspires me. And so no matter which particular realm of business that I'm currently focused on, whether it's this book, whether it's in tech, whether it's in venture, all these components, my main fundamental goal at the end of the day, is to help others succeed, to help others overcome that internal insecurity, that self-doubt, that self-loathing, that self-sabotage, all these things that sometimes we do against ourselves, um, or even just the way that we communicate with ourselves. right? We're also incredibly self-critical. So I want to improve these conversations to create this open, destigmatized area of communication to say, hey, maybe you have had a lot of challenges internally. Maybe you've lived within the confines of your own two ears uh, in which that mental prison has maybe paralyzed you or held you back. You don't have to do that. And here maybe are some tactical toolkits of things that I've seen others use and that I have used, right? And so stop listening to the outside world in terms of their judgment and what they call FOPO, right? Fear of other people's opinions. Instead, realign, I think, with that true north and that things that you fundamentally believe um, on a principled and a value-based perspective are important to you in your life. And so I always ask people as we talk about doing good is let's start let's start with you, the individual first. What do you want from life and what do you think life wants from you? And I think that continuously asking yourself that and realigning and recalibrating makes you understand that, look, the world is going to have distractions and exciting things at all times. And you can do anything that you possibly want but you can't do everything. And so figure out where you want to spend your time and energy. Identify how this aligns with your core principles and your what I call your true north. And if you can, that's a beautiful sweet spot of doing things that are hard, that are challenging and fulfilling, but also feel like it is a part of your purpose because there's nothing better than knowing that this is a part of that. And so again, Having those internal introspective conversations are important, and I do that. So the way that I give back is whether I'm doing speaking engagements, whether I'm involved in organizations and companies, whether it's this book, my main principal overall parent reaching goals are 
Does this help people? Is this supportive of what I overall want in life? And am I on the right track in terms of actually impacting a billion people plus around the world in the most positive perspective? Um, I myself am not perfect in any capacity and I am no guru, but I've lived an incredibly rich life in terms of experiences, in terms of wins and failures. And I've always risen and bounced back. And that is fundamentally what I want people to realize is that anything is possible. You just have to continue on. Well, that's, that's great counsel. And you've given us a lot of insights already into how to employ uh, hard work, how to develop hard work. Uh, You've talked about grit, purpose, passion. Uh, Let me just ask you to give a final thought or two here to the question of how we all can develop hard work as a skill. And, and you don't necessarily need to go back to your earliest days when you were learning hard work, but I imagine there's some, there's some value there perhaps as you think about your teenage self and the effort required to to be competitive at the Olympic level. I mean, the top, the absolute top. And you're talking about making a 16-year-old kid train like that. That's hard work. How did you learn to do that? How can we all learn to do that? So I, I think there's, it's a great question, right? Hard work is something that is trained and then has grown. And you know, I used specific levers in my life, maybe out of fears of failure, maybe out of, out of when I went very deep into the psychological process of maybe I just wanted approval from my father, right? And to me, I always felt the world was better than I, so I had to do so much more. I didn't have the luxury of kind of relying on my own talents and skills and kicking back. And so for those that are seeking, how do I maintain the hard work? I think keep it simple. Very simple, right? A, don't always reward yourself in terms of thinking about the prize <clears throat> because that's the challenge, right? So I think what we can, when we think about this, and you know, Carol Dweck did this very well when she talked about growth mindset, we teach younger generations around process over the prize. Yes, the prize is important. It's important to have some type of a target and a metric you can measure. Um, but once you let go of that bow, the process of of what happened in terms of preparation and getting ready to kind of you know look at that target and release the bow as it goes towards the target, that's on your own. No matter how much you kick and scream and shout, that's not going to change the trajectory of whatever that arrow is. The arrow is going to go wherever it wants to go, and it may be wind. Something may get in its way. It doesn't really matter. Um, at that point, you have to be able to surrender to the outcome. That's very important to realize. Um, but the hard work component is if you can reward yourself by by understanding that, yes, metrics are important, but what can I fundamentally do consistently? We like progress as human beings, so we seek that in many different ways. And it, sometimes it shows up in areas of our life where it falsifies as progress when it's not. Um, so it's very important for us to kind of stay committed to the path and realize as we do these kind of what I call these gut checks of – these introspection and internal conversations. You know how hard you are working. And in sport, we call this the gas principle, where there's times when we're kind of foot, you know, pedal to the metal. 
our foot is all the way down, going as hard and as fast as we can. And there's times when we really let off and we allow ourselves to recover. So while we understand hard work, also realize you need these ebbs and flows consistently in order to produce the most effective and efficient types of work. Because if you're just always on day in and day out, seven days for years, the I think that the effectiveness of your work is going to start to really decline. And so realizing this and say, give yourself the time, right? It's very hard because some of us, we like to work all day, every day. And I think when we can disengage, even for small moments of time, it allows when we re-engage to be so much more effective. So don't think of hard work as this something that's going to be so painful. Think about it in terms of play, in terms of curiosity. That's first. And second is always have these introspective conversations to say, when you're focused on this kind of overall purpose, it feels much less like work. Um, and then third, it's not going to be easy, right? Whole Inherently designed in this process in your growth period is you will go through these periods of hardship, but on the other side is this incredible expansion of your mind. Your brain is actually rewiring during these times when things are very challenging. And when you understand that and see it from that perspective, your brain looks at it differently. So that's what I that's what I try to get to get people to understand is that kind of three-part process. No, that's that's amazing. Uh and, and that is so helpful. That is so helpful. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Now you are now in the process of finishing a new book. Uh, yeah. You've mentioned it a time or two. I mentioned it. Hard pivot, uh, embrace change, find purpose, show up fully. That's that's the title. Uh, you kind of went through a hard pivot after the Olympics. Uh, I think you're. This is a bit of a memoir. It's some advice. Tell us a little bit about how d- does hard work connect into the book Absolutely. and the message of the book. Yeah. So hard pivot is designed inherently to kind of rip open the curtain and see behind the scenes on kind of mentally the challenges that many Olympic athletes have gone through, I included, during the transition stage of their life. Why we do what we do, human behavioral traits and conditioning from a previous you know decade or two decades of experience into why you're operating the way that you are. And then as I started to grow, and as I started to realize that I needed to find a new career path, a new passion, a new direction, how can I change my mindset? And so that hard pivot, I believe, is a critical and fundamental component to life experience. And we will face it either through loss, either through choice or by force in career, relationship, um, whatever it may be, we will face these types of challenges. And so I wanted to be very open and transparent and and vulnerable in sharing the own kind of psychological and kind of resistance mechanisms that I had developed from a previous life um, and how I brought those with me into the next generation of where I was going to be headed towards in terms of my next thought process, in terms of my next career. And then also formulate this idea around toolkits to help people through exercise, not in terms of physical, but actually going through specific exercises as they begin to go through their process or they fundamentally feel like it. So look, embrace change. Everyone has had to embrace change over the past two years. Uh, that is, and I think we will always have to embrace change. So you're, if you're someone that sometimes feel like technology is flying so fast and you just don't even speak the language that is being spoken today, I feel you. I understand that. But you don't have to be so uh, reluctant to saying, well, I just don't get it. It's not for me. I'm out. 
right? I think that there's this openness that occurs and saying like, while you may not be an expert, you also can transition. You also can grow and learn in the same respect. And then I think showing up fully is having confidence internally. It's hard to show up knowing that you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And it's going to require you a lot to be able to face a lot of those fears. So that's fundamentally what this book is about, is helping people pivot. And, sh- and embrace change and be able to show up fully regardless of what others think about them, regardless of what potential fears of outcome will be. Uh, and that's where I think we are truly living in the moment and being present. No, fantastic. Well, Apollo, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to have this conversation with me. Uh, I, I'm excited to share it with people. Uh, perhaps before you, you go, you just take a, a few seconds and just tell people how they can connect with you uh, I know people want you to speak at events and and there are all kinds of requests you get. So tell people how they can follow you on social and connect with you however you like. Absolutely. So uh, across all my socials, I'm at Apollo Ono on Twitter, at Apollo Ono on Instagram, and you can go to ApolloOno.com my website to see uh, what what areas of focus that we're we're concentrating on, whether it's our what we call the five golden principles. Um or it's areas of performance that we're really looking to really expand and grow. So really excited. Shoot me a message. Would love to connect. Uh, Devin, it's been great to see you and, and hear your voice again. And hopefully we can do thank again. You. We can do this in person. All righty. Well, uh, Apollo, thank you so much. We wish you every success with your new book and all the great things that you're doing in the world to make the world a better place. Thank you. All righty. Let's do some good.